This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Welcome, global leaders, to the Global Reach Leadership Forum with Navy veteran, ecclesial leader, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Pat. Presenting you with critical leadership perspectives from the minds of former military leaders, now transforming the face of American business as successful entrepreneurs. Get ready to listen, learn, to lead, and now to enhance your leadership influence on the Global Reach Leadership Forum. Here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hello and welcome to the Global Reach Leadership Forum. I'm your host, Dr. Pat. And today we are talking about compassion, compassion for leader. How essential is compassion in leadership once you understand what it is? And before our guest, Dr. Gary McGrath comes, I'd like us to talk about compassion as an imperative aspect of any organization and any leadership that one has to practice wherever they are in their leadership. Leadership is important to practice with compassion because it gives one an insight into the hearts and the minds of people, especially when they're in their most vulnerable state. Compassion is a virtue and leadership quality that is often misconstrued as an act of pity or far-fetched phenomenon only expected of the Mother Theresa's of our time. However, I want to share with us today that the truth is compassion is and should be an inequality in every leader. Every leader who has the potential to influence one or many has a responsibility to be compassionate. Therefore, as an organizational leader, your compassion is essential to the viability and success of your leadership. Compassion is defined by the Merriam-Webster English Dictionary as the sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. What does that mean for you as an organizational leader? It means as an organizational leader, your compassion is evident by the empathetic gestures toward team members and the intentional effort that you as a leader have toward relief of their plight. With this clarified definition of what compassion could be and should be, you bear the responsibility of seeing how you, you as a leader, express this toward your organization. Your expression of compassion creates a cultural ripple within that organization. Now, I've always argued that compassion is imperative for the organizational leader who must assess the areas or aspects of need required for the follower or the team member to know and feel that they have been heard. When others or sometimes when people are at their worst, 
moment when you're most vulnerable and most down, you as organizational leader has to be at your best to show empathetic interest and action toward that team member. This should occur especially when one is at their lowest point of vulnerability. Therefore, compassion, in essence, must and should be an invaluable trait in any leader's leadership toolbox. I encourage you today as a leader, no matter where you might be in your lifestyle or no matter where you might be in your state of leadership, to strive beyond the challenges that you face, to strive beyond any aspects that you struggle with, just so you can reach that one team member who may need your leadership in compassion, whatever that might look like for them. So I encourage you to be ready and effortless in your practice and employment of compassion to build up and to restore those you lead to their highest level of professional excellence. Compassion, therefore, for you as a leader must be one of your most invaluable traits that you will possess to lead you forward. So with that said, I'd like us to take a break for our sponsors before our guest, Dr. Gary McGrath, comes to share with us his perspective on compassion. All right, we have a great guest with us today here, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Gary. And I'm gonna read his bio here. Dr. Gary has over 30 years of work experience from Fortune 500 companies to technology startups to owning and operating his own consulting firm. Now, he started his adult leadership path as an officer in the U.S. Army after graduating with a degree in mechanical and metallurgical engineering from the University of Connecticut. Now, he spent over 10 years in manufacturing with Procter & Gamble and Scott Paper Company before starting his first consulting company in 1990. Now, as an associate of both the Covey Leadership Center, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and Blanchard Training and Development, Situational Leadership One Minute Manager, he, tra he traveled the country providing consulting and training services to small, medium, and large companies. In the mid-1990s, Gary was vice president of sales and marketing for a $90 million transportation company, leading a team of over 100 sales and marketing professionals. Over the past eight years, Gary has been director of sales for several information technology systems and integrators, ranging in size from 12 to $50 million. Gary was an associate professor at Kelly Graduate School of Management of DeVry University and an adjunct professor at the H. Wayne Winslager School of Business and Entrepreneurship of Nova Southeast University. Gary is an avid tennis player and has been ranked as high as 20, number 22 nationally in tennis and his age group. Welcome to the Global Reach Edition Forum, my good friend, Dr. Gary. It's good to see thank, you. Thank you, Pat. You reminded me of some things in my past that I've forgotten. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's great. Well, it is really good to have you here. And I'm excited to talk about uh, one of my favorite topics, which is compassion. You know, Dr. Gary, compassion is one of those things that most people, you know, take for granted. You know, Gary, I tell you, 
people don't realize that compassion is an important piece of it. And sometimes they get that confused in the, in leadership circles. You hear people say, oh, well, you are, you are, you're being soft, but Gary, what, what is your definition of compassion and how did you actually exercise this in the military uh, when you served? Sure. So let's, let's get a couple of foundational definitions here so that we understand what we're talking about. First of all, we're talking about leadership. And when I talk about leadership, the definition of leadership is the ability to build relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassionate accountability. Wow. And this idea of compassion and the, and the balance of compassion and accountability, especially in the military, when we talk about it, is confusing to a lot of people. Mm. They they think that in, situationally we need to be tough. You know, we need to we need to hold people accountable. I hear this all the time, and yet as parents, we call compassionate accountability tough love. Would would you have any parent say that they would not want to demonstrate love to their children? Mm. And of course. The answer no. that's no, of course no. not. Mm-hmm. What they do sometimes, though, is we often are too soft with our children on the tough side because we say we want their lives to be better than ours. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that exactly mean, our lives to be better than ours? Well, it takes a very, very challenging uh, mindset to learn how to balance tough love and to learn how to balance compassionate accountability and leadership. And people have the the wrong impression about the military in terms of this idea of compassion and accountability. And here's the reason why, Pat. Mm -hmm. Most people that have never been in the military or exposed to it see things on television and movies in two scenarios, boot camp and war. And you and I know, being former military, that that's a very small part of what the military is about. Most of it is preparation for war or preparation for some kind of military action. And in that preparation, you're working with men and women next to you day in and day out. And you get to know these human beings. You get to know their strengths, their weaknesses. You get to know what they stand for, what's important. Some of it you like, some of it you don't like. The good thing in the military, as I've mentioned before, is you know they're going to be gone within two years. (laughs) Most assignments are more than two years, so you can put up with somebody, right? That's right. (laughs) So we put up with it. But I have seen some of the greatest leaders in military and my greatest leaders were Sergeant McCann, who was my first platoon sergeant and first Sergeant George Hornbrook when I was in command, who taught me the meaning of accountability and compassion. Mm. And let me let me give you an example of what what that means. When when I was a commanding officer, we have what we call an Article 15, non-judicial punishment. Yep. Somebody screws up in the military, and if it's important enough, they come before the commanding officer. And people don't realize this, but the commanding officers, you know, judge, jury, and executioner, they can, there's under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, if you're an E4, Pat, I can bust you down to an E1. I can take money away. I can tell you you're restricted to the barracks for 30 days. I can really mess with your life. That's right. Right? So- When people came to me when I was a commander, I made sure that every NCO, okay, I'm going to say I, George, okay, he was the first sergeant. George made sure (laughs) that they had a stack of counseling reports, written documentation of performance challenges that they've had with these people that would go back three, six, or nine months. And George would always say to the non-commissioned officers, to the sergeants, what have you done to help this soldier succeed? Mm. What have you done to train 
this soldier? What have you done to make sure that he knows what's expected of him, when he's supposed to show up for work, what his uniform is supposed to look like, and what work he's supposed to accomplish with the people he's working with? So the expectations of accountability were extremely clear. Okay. When I was in command, I had 11 people come to me with an Article 15. 11. And this is in a time right after the Vietnam War where commanding officers were seeing anywhere from five to 10 people a week. I saw 11 in 18 months. When they came to me, they got absolute maximum. They knew that when they saw the commanding officer, they were screwed. That's right. Because the NCOs did their job. So the NCOs could always use that as leverage to get people to perform and to come within the boundaries. You do not want to go see Captain McGrath. Wow. You do not want to go see the commanding officer. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You know, and they would get, okay. So there was, there was a way to use that power in a good way. Cause you, what do you want? You want people to perform well. Yes. Is that being compassionate and being tough? Well, yeah, because they've got families. Yes. They've got people to take care of in themselves. We had an E3 come before me once and he was, he was, Screw it up. He was making a lot of mistakes and everybody gets a max. That means he's going to get busted the E1. He's going to be restricted. He's got this. This young man was married, had a couple of kids. Okay. Um, was about to make E4. He made a mistake. And once he made E4, he could get housing on, on base before he was living in, a, in an apartment off base and really struggling. Yes. He screwed up. They brought him before me and I, and I said, well, soldier, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. And I started my spiel and his sergeant, this was all set up ahead of time, Pat, you know, the, the sergeants <laughs> had set this up ahead of time with the first sergeant. So wait, wait a minute, sir. Could you just wait a minute? Um, could you give us a minute? And they went outside the room. They brought the private back. And now this private Pat was shaking. He, he was had, so scared. He had no idea what was going to happen. No, you know, I mean, in those units, I, I was a demigod. I mean, when you're the commanding officer, right? right? You're in charge, right? That's right. They said, sir, we're, you know, this soldier has, has absolutely committed. That he's going to turn his life around. We're going to ask you if you would, I know you've never done this before. And I hadn't, I'd never done it before Yeah. to put aside uh, this article 15 for now and let us work with him one more time. And I turned to I turned to the first sergeant, the sergeant, and of course, like I said, this is all playing out. The soldier doesn't know this, right? Yes, yes. And I said, "Look, why? What's going to be any different? This is the fourth time." And I went down the list, and I'm looking at the paperwork, and I'm I'm just, you know, just being my toughest self, right? Oh, and and they said, "Well, sir, we're just going to ask you for a, a little bit of, you know, uh, compassion here." Now, that's not the word they use, but that's what we were doing, and we did, and we let let him go. He turned it around. He became an E4 within six months. He got his housing and he became a good soldier. Wow. Talk about remarkable definition of, of you know, compassionate leadership. You know what? This is so interesting. You share the story, just to give people an idea of what it looks like in the military, because people don't understand that, especially when you go into the private you know, sector there. But so do you think there's a difference in the private sector um, as an entrepreneur when it comes to, com you know, um, compassion, is there a difference? Do you think there is based on our- Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And the primary reason, Pat, is because mm -hmm. in the military, it's life and death. That's right. I've got your back. I have to have your back. The team is the most important thing because we have a mission often that puts us in harm's way. And if we're not 
absolutely perfect in our addition to the team, our contribution to the team, then somebody's going to potentially die. Okay. Okay. The only people that are in that situation in the civilian world are the police, firefighters, uh, emergency response people. They have to have each other's back. They they can't make a mistake. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to get hurt or die. That's true. Yep. In business, we can demonstrate more compassion to the human being because it's not life or death. Okay. That doesn't mean that we have to be any less accountable mm. with that person, but it's a it's an it, to me, it's a more challenging balance, actually, because what people are looking for is when life hits them in the face and they have a real challenge in life is that the people around them will demonstrate some compassion and give them a break, mm. step up, maybe, you know, take on their job for a couple of weeks so they can take care of their mother who's sick yes. or their child who's struggling. Or, you know, or they have a health condition or something that where they, they just need some time. Now, can that go on forever? No, it can't go on forever. But I have seen so many situations in, um, in the business world where companies, I, I'm going to give you an example, Pat, because mm-hmm. I work with several companies now and I'm, I'm the 12 years that I've been working with these companies and I've never yes. worked for these companies for less than five to seven years. And I've got one I'm in my 13th year with every single one of them demonstrate a value towards the people, mm-hmm. their customers, and then to the profitability and delivery of the services that they have to offer. But it's oh. first about the people. Okay. I have seen them have someone who matches their values in the organization mm-hmm. and they fail. Wow. And they go, you know, Pat, you're, you're just, you're not good for this job. You're not, you, you just don't do a good job at this inside sales position. So, you know, what? we're going to try you with a customer service rep. Let's try that. And they fail. Mm. You're, not, you're not good at that. You know, we need somebody in training. We need somebody that can put PowerPoints together in training. Do you think you'd like that? And you go, person ends up being an extrovert. They hated sales and customer service. Like, oh yeah. Can I go take a class? You know, this would be great. And they become like great at PowerPoints and training materials and detail, yes. right? All the things that they were bad at in, in customer service and uh, and sales, they're now good. They're good at like, what? Exactly. This employee all of a sudden became a great employee. No. Alignment. You got alignment correctly. That's right. Okay. But it takes compassion. It takes a step back. It it takes a a sense of, and here's the thing about leadership is being able to say to this person, you are incompetent at this area. Wow. But what are you competent at that I can fit you in this organization? Let me see where I can, you're a good person. You are the kind of person we want is in this organization. So how can we fit you in? And I've, the organizations I work with do this regularly. I've seen people move from three or four jobs for three or four years. Mm. And then they finally go, you know, Pat, we just don't have anything for you. For you, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, that's, that, is, that is interesting because, you know, I, I like these stories that you share because I want to be able to make sure that, you know, for our listeners, as they hear this, they should understand that there's, there's, there are differences when it comes to military and then um, private practice. But I'd like to hear some more stories about how you practice, as a company commander, how you practice or, or you foster this um, leadership, this compassion. Because I think for our listeners, they need to hear what some of these differences are in, in the private sector and then in, the, uh, in, in, in command. Sure. So let's talk about the similarities first, because okay. what compassion, first of all, is, is caring. Okay. You know, do you, do you care about your people? 
Okay. And the only way that you can really demonstrate caring for your people is to get to know them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in the military, when I was in business and I had people reporting to me, I said, look, if you've got some things going on in your life that's affecting your performance, then uh, you need to let, you don't need to let me know. I can't legally force you to know, but this is to let me know. But here's what I do know. Mm-hmm. 85%, according to like long years of research on this, about 85% of all problems at work are because of things outside of work. Yes. Okay. Family, health, drug abuse, addictions, all kinds of problems, right? Most of our performance, and if you have somebody that's performing well, and all of a sudden their performance drops, you can almost bet that something's happening in their personal life. Well, as a leader, the only way that you can show compassion and really show caring is first show caring by getting to know the human being, getting to know the whole person, not just the work person. Makes sense. The second thing is, is when things are going wrong is to be able to ask them, gee, you know, your performance is really dropping off. This is really unlike you. Are you okay? Hmm. You know, what's, what's going on? And you don't have to tell me if it's personal, but what can I do? Is there anything I can do to help? Because hmm. you see, here's the thing is eventually your performance has to come back to be able to contribute to the team. You know that and I know that. Mm-hmm. But if you need some time or you need some help, you need some support, how can I do that? How can I show care? Tell me. And um, this balance of compassionate accountability is something that people get wrong all the time because they think that it's a either or thing. I have to show either compassion or oh. I have to be compa- uh, accountable. accountable. I have to hold them accountable and be tough. Oh, Okay. And what we teach our leaders Mm -hmm. is a balance of both all the time. Let me give you the simplest level of compassion. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Mm -hmm. And when you listen, hear what the person is saying and hear what the person is not saying. And when we teach emotional intelligence, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at you on this video right now during this podcast, and I see a little smile on your face. And I go, you know, you're really, you're really enjoying this, aren't you? This is really great stuff, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feed that back to you, and you can see that in someone's face when they're, when, when they're concerned or they're in pain. Okay. And if I'm holding you accountable, and look, I work with presidents and CEOs. One day I'm sitting in the president's office, and I'm waiting to start our coaching session and he's 10 minutes late. Like he's always late. Okay. He's always late. That's okay. I'm there to serve him. Okay. And I'm, I always have work to do. So I'm sitting on my laptop and I'm getting a little work done and he walks in and this is a very high personable kind of person always says hello, shakes your hand. So always will say, I'm I'm sorry, I'm late. And I, I, I know he means it, but that's just the way he is. And that's okay. I just accept that. And This time he walks in and he flops, literally flops in his chair and he drops his pad on the desk and he puts his kind of head in his hands and he goes, oh man, I slowly close my laptop and I can just tell by the look on his face, we're not going to do any business coaching today. Not today. Just going to listen. Not today. And I'm like, what's going on? Yes. And he starts to tell me about some stuff that was happening with his kids and his wife. And, you know, and I'm like, man, I don't, I just, I don't know how you're keeping it together. You know, let's take a moment, take a breath. What can I do to help? But 
if if I was focused on the mission and the goals and didn't show care for this human being, I'm like, I am here. I'm being paid a lot of money yes. to coach him and hold him accountable, making sure he's doing what he needs to be doing for the company. I'm making sure all this stuff, right? Exactly. In the door, I was like, look, sorry, your life sucks right now, but let's get to work. It doesn't work that way. You get no, it doesn't. Oh my goodness. But we miss it all the time. Yes. Yes. So in leadership, one of the things we teach is awareness. We've got to be situationally aware mm-hmm. all the time. time. The difference in the military is a couple of things. First of all, it can be life or death. Number two, it becomes very transactional quite, quite often. Number three, it's short term. You're with people one to two years. Mm-hmm. In business, that that context, and this is the thing about leadership, it's about context. Context. It's how do I balance context of accountability? and compassion within the context of the moment, the transaction, and the process of the relationship over time. Okay. Those two things have to be considered every time I open my mouth as a leader. Every time. Every time. You know, it's intriguing you say that because, so what kind of advice would you give then to somebody, a transitioning military leader on the pitfalls of not exercising what you just described. What are the pitfalls of that? How, how successful are you going to be? So, yeah. So the, the first thing I'd say, Pat, is <laughs> there is no rank. Okay. Okay. There's a couple of things around mindset that we have to shift. We have to shift our mindset. Okay. First of all, leadership is about building a relationship and it's a process. It's not about an event or a tactic or getting something done right now. Mm-hmm. Every interaction has to balance compassion, accountability, and build the relationship. Every single one. Our, our definition, the ability to build relationships, mm-hmm. building relationships comes first. That's so right. we can achieve our goals together. Teamwork comes second with compassion, accountability wrapped around this as leadership. So it's in that order. Okay. So Every conversation I have is about building relationships. We don't always think about that. In the military, it's about achieving the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the warrior's ethos, the very first thing is we will achieve our mission. Okay. Okay. The last thing is we will leave, leave no soldier behind. Behind. Okay. All right. That's the last thing. Okay. <laughs> but the first thing is achieve the mission. In mm-hmm. business, we want to achieve our goals, but we need to stop being so focused on the number Okay. Be more focused on the interaction of the relationship and the process of achievement every day as a process long-term. Wow. That's deep. For our, for our listeners, I hope you're picking these nuggets of gold that uh, Dr. Gary is sharing here because sometimes we take these things for granted, you know, and, and, you know, Dr. Gary, I want to bring us to, to just the, the aspect of having compassion as a leader. Now, in the service, somebody loses a loved one, for instance, and you have to show compassion. You know, there's certain rules that you have to do, but in the meantime, you're you're in combat. You know, how do you do this? Because in the corporate world now, we have, you know, political unrest, people are struggling with compassion. And how do you distinguish between how to be compassionate in the in the military and how to be compassionate in the in the service if if they're so, if it's so hard to distinguish sometimes, I, I so I, I want us to, I want you to, uh, to just enlighten our listeners here on the need or specific strategies that you can implement as a budding entrepreneur, transitioning military leader on how you can actually practice these kinds of strategies in the corporate sector. 
Yeah. So the first thing I, I tell everybody, there's, you know, about this idea of leadership development. First of all, leadership development is, is complex. Yes. And my seven steps of intentional leadership are these seven steps that give you some indications of how to develop your own leadership capabilities. And step okay. one is purpose. Component one of step one is personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. You have to know who you are. You know, and a lot of times when you think of who you are in the cog of a, of a, of a military unit, it's very, very different in your personal image of where you are in a business. And you have to make that mind shift and mm-hmm. shift it over. Okay. It's, it's really about understanding that the context and the culture that you're walking into is very different than the context and the culture that you were in. Okay. What worked before will not work in this culture. Okay. It won't. All right. It's not command and control. It's not do it because I said do it. It goes back to having these basic awarenesses in the moment. So you mentioned, and I'll use this, it's a great example. Um, you're in the military and somebody loses a loved one. Mm-hmm. And and our first thought is we've got to accomplish the mission. You know, what am I going to do? Okay, that's great. That shouldn't be our first thought. Okay. Or maybe it's a, a thought instead of just the first thought. The second thought is, uh, uh, Pat, I know you just lost a loved one. What would you like to do? I want to, I want to figure out where your head's at. Do you need some time off? Is it, do you need to, do you need to decompress and just kind of go away? Do I need to pull you away from the front lines? Because if I don't, you're not going to be able to complete your work as a, as a member of this unit and it's going to hurt the whole unit. Or are you someone that can compartmentalize and no, 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 don't, please don't send me away. I want to stay with the unit. I want to work with these people that I'm close to. I feel like family here. This is this family will strengthen me. So let me stay here. So instead of deciding, you know, oh, I think it would be compassionate to pull them away and let them go, you know, have a, have a week off that maybe that works for me, but how do I know what's going to work for that individual? And if I've developed a relationship with this person, I can tell by their nonverbals, what they're truly thinking in their face, how much pain they're in, how much commitment they have to either the mission or the need to get away. But I ask the person and I have a conversation, a heartfelt, deep, hard conversation with this individual so that we can provide for them what they need that they're asking for instead of what I think they need. Wow. That's deep. Wow. I, I like that. So it's about listening to the, the, the individual first, which is completely different from what you would usually do, you know, in the, uh, in the military, you know, I thank you for sharing that because we tend to take that for granted. So, so based on what you just said, then um, I'd like to ask, what do you think is the biggest issue that we have in our private sector in a private sector today for a but entrepreneur who needs to know how to exercise compassion or transitioning military leader. What is the biggest issue we have with compassion in the private sector that they need to be aware of? I think the biggest issue that anybody should, first of all, let's, let's put it this way. If you're getting out of the military and you want to mm-hmm. go work for an organization, look mm-hmm. for an organization that aligns with your values. Yes. Okay. 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 So write that personal mission statement. If, you know, Pat, if uh, anybody can, can get a, a copy of um, 
a uh, personal mission statement builder off of my website for free. Mm -hmm. Put your okay. email address in, it'll come to you automatically. You can get a personal mission statement builder off of my website. Okay. Why is that important? Because you need to know coming out who you are, what you stand for, what's most important. So when you go to work for an organization, you can look at the values and the context of that organization for a fit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what, is, what does that mean? That means you you want to look for an organization that uh, is either military like. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to go. You know, you like that culture. You want to stay in that culture. Okay. Okay. Or you. When I was getting out of the military, I went to work for Procter and Gamble. Completely different. <laughs> totally different. Absolutely. I mean, look. First of all, manufacturing, 1980, Green Bay, Wisconsin, 45 percent, 45 percent of the managers and supervisors in a manufacturing plant were women. Wow. They were so far ahead of the curve yes. in bringing in diversity into the workplace. That's great. Okay. So I went to work for an organization that I felt was part of my values because when I was the commanding control, I mean, I, I was successful. I was a commanding officer, 25. And mm -hmm. I had a general talk to me afterwards. He said, what are you getting out for, man? You're on the fast track. I said, the fast track, the hell, man. I'm <laughs> telling you right now, I'm going to get in, in trouble because I'm one of these guys that asks why a lot. It's a good and thing. It's a good thing in the in the business world. It's the not a good thing world. in the military. True. Well, sir, why are we taking that hill? Exactly. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you, Lieutenant. Oh, come on, get on the hill. <laughs> that's right. Okay. And and there's a reason for that. I mean, it, right. it, it's that's the culture. And there's a reason for that in combat. There, it just wasn't a good fit for me. So I looked for an organization okay. that was a better fit for me. Good. That's the first thing. Write that personal mission statement and really get aligned and understand what your values are and align them to a, a values of an organization. Wow. And I, I tell you, the second thing I would say mm -hmm. is work on your emotional intelligence. Okay. Uh, we, we do this with, with our, our leaders. Look, spend $15, go out and buy emotional intelligence 2.0, <laughs> take the assessment in the back of the book and start learning some emotional intelligence strategies. Okay. And I guarantee you, your life will change. And, and please don't cry when you find out how low your scores are. Okay. Don't, that's, you know, a lot of people are the military. They go, oh my God, I'm, in a, I'm a 60. It's like a D plus. What am I? No, forget the numbers. Just understand it's an indicator for your strategies so that you can get better in emotional intelligence. If you just do those two things, personal okay. mission and emotional intelligence improvements, it will make a huge difference in your movement from the military to the civilian world to be able to just be present and listen better. Oh, this is so awesome. Mission statement and your EQ, you've got to get those straight. I am so thankful for what you shared with us today, Gary. You know what? Um, I am blessed by that. So if you're listening today, please listen again to what uh, Dr. Gary just shared with us. Uh, so uh, as we wrap up here, uh, um, Gary, I, I'd like to ask you if, if you just you know share with us what you want our listeners to know about your organization. You have a great organization that does leadership development and what you want our listeners to hear uh, from, from your organization. Please tell us a little bit more about you. Well, you know, part of it, I think if we have a lot of military people that are uh, listening to this and inspired by it, um, I don't know, Pat, maybe you and I ought to start a, uh, a, a group of veterans that uh, could help each other out in, uh, in business. Absolutely. Oh, we're going to, we're going to charge them for it because without, you know, without <laughs> people paying for it, they think it's worth nothing. Right. I know, but, right? Um, you know, maybe we could help people with uh, some of that leadership development. Absolutely. Um, Staterius though, is a group of about eight of us. I have uh, a group of Staterians as I call them. Staterius is Latin for to stand firm. Okay. 
And we, as I've mentioned, we've coached executives. We do workshops. I do keynotes. I'm a member of the National Speakers Association. I'm a certified speaking professional. And my doctorate's in business administration and marketing. And uh, I help companies and consulting to help their businesses grow. But the biggest thing that we do, we have a nine-month leadership development program that we take into organizations, and it changes the culture. It changes this, this way that we lead because people need to learn how to balance this idea of compassion and accountability. It's hard. Mm. And with coaching and training and development and real work, it takes five to 10 years to become mediocre. What? Oh my. <laughs> okay. Because here's, here's why Pat, what we often do is we, we, we give people a book, we give them a little bit of training. We say, be a better manager. That's like, that's like saying, um, you got an appendix, it's inflamed. It needs to be removed. Uh, you know what to do, cut it out. Here's a scalpel, cut it out. You know what to do, cut it out with no training. We do this with managers every day. We hand them the scalpel of responsibility as a manager with no training. Mm. And the problem is it's not the manager that dies. It's the employee on the operating table. That's unfortunate. (laughs) And that's why 85% of the people leave their boss, not not, not a job. They leave their boss because they haven't been trained. We don't just train leaders. We develop leaders. Awesome. We help them learn how to be aware, how to be more emotionally intelligent, how to be more decisive, and how to listen to the people around them to make teams great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gary. We appreciate you uh, coming and just sharing us with such wisdom uh, with us. And we look forward to being able to connect with you um, on your website or on LinkedIn, hopefully, as well, if anybody is interested in that. Well, listeners, you have heard it. Uh, it is it is all about checking your EQ and also making sure you get that mission statement done. All right. Well, if you want more of these, please subscribe to this podcast. And also don't forget the 52 essential qualities and attributes of organizational leader. It's on books everywhere. Books are sold on Amazon, wherever you, you want this. And we'll be glad to share with you more in the future. So we look forward to having you again on this uh, podcast someday, uh, Dr. Gary, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Pat. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, global leaders, thank you for listening to this episode of the Global Reach Leadership Forum. If you have learned something today, please like us on Facebook. Visit our website at www.globalreachleaders.com to leave a comment or a question and share this episode with others. Until next week, remember to lead the change. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.